And I, in this particular bank, I walked into wearing a dark mask, aviator sunglasses, and a baseball hat. So you really couldn't see anything of my face. And they didn't alert or alarm. You should have just handed them a note as you stepped up. I would like to make a withdrawal. And they were. (laughs) 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 That is not advice for the general public. Please do not go into your bank and hand them notes while wearing masks. It is generally. With dark glasses. Yes, generally not considered a safe pastime. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill up the wall with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another hugely exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and... Jeff McClure. Yes, we are uh, We're occasionally able to say our names together. We got it right. I was watching your, your lips on the screen. Watch my lips. Rather than waiting for you to say it in the time, I think you would. I'd Monor taxes. Monor. Ta- you're saying no more. Got it. Monor. Monor. No, I said Monor taxes. Right. Monor. Ta- right. This, this is the personal wealth coach, and you can tell already that we're in a mood. Uh, yep. the, the mood is here with us. Uh, this is Jake McClure and Jeff McClure, and we are going to be talking about economics today. But before we get started, we have some things that we have to say. We have to disclose. We have yeah. to take our clothes off. Yes, we have to disclose. These are important, and I know they take a little bit of time. Um, the Personal Wealth Coach is not just a radio program, in case you were wondering if it was that. It's also a podcast. But it's it's also the name of an SEC registered investment advisory firm. Um, that it is registered with the SEC to give fiduciary advice. But the SEC, just because it's registered with them, doesn't give them any doesn't give us the firm or anybody else any kind of approval. Uh, if we go to the SEC seeking approval, we'll be waiting a very long time. They don't approve. They just don't deny and then sometimes they do deny which is the bad part uh we we tell you that advance we tell you about the sec registration because it's important to know and second it's who you get to complain to if we're saying something not just stupid that's normal uh but uh harmfully stupid uh misleading misleading yes right fraudulent things like that stuff stuff not stupid. Stupid and, is not illegal yet. We're, so we're good for a while. And there have been, there have been radio programs, talk radio programs that air on Saturday morning, where the person doing the program uh, has gotten in criminal trouble. Yes, with the SEC. Quite a large number just, of them, actually. <laughs> not actually, not just civil trouble, but criminal trouble, where they were charged with fraud and all kinds of things. Right. So, we always have the potential to say something on here, vertently or inadvertently. And all I guess of our advertently, w- nobody read us the Miranda rights, but th- all of this is being recorded and can and will be used against us. Yeah, all in that a court good of stuff. law, uh, or yeah. or just in the court of embarrassment if it comes to that as well. Uh, but there's another disclosure. You want to give the next one? We don't pay for the radio program. They don't pay us. 
We do uh, receive some benefit. We've been doing this for 25 years now, and we do receive some benefit for doing this radio program in that we have a lot of clients who listen to it, and it's, an, it's a relatively efficient way to communicate with our clients. And occasionally, we actually have people who've been listening for a long time who say, hey, would you like to manage our money for us? Because we've been listening to you for a long time, and you make me feel very sleepy, and I like to feel sleepy when I'm dealing with money. Yes. Um, all good so far. And uh, I can also say that uh, no, no, the information no, no, we, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to step in the middle You're of gonna this. You're going to do the educational do thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You do you, the educational all thing. All right. So right. Uh, this is not investment advice. I know we just said that the firm's all registered to do that, but you can't do that on the air. So it's educational. We're going to try to give you education. We're going to learn you how to talk good. That's right. Now you can do your, your deeming, if you would like, to talk good to us. The educational information we present on this radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable. Oh, you but talk we make good. no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. See, I'd use my radio voice, too, yeah. when I did that. I tell you, you, cool. you talk good. Ladies so, and gentlemen, boys and girls. Inquisitor John has asked a question. Thank you, John. This was earlier in the week. Um, this was during the day that um, our president was meeting with Russia's president with a screen. Uh, they were Zooming each other, although they were probably using something other than Zoom. We can all agree that Zoom would be better. Putin would look great with cat ears. Uh, so, yes. Uh, Putin and or Biden horns. had a conversation about Ukraine. Putin said, uh, we're not. What? What are you talking about? Ukraine? Where is that? We've never been to. What are you even? And Biden said, hey, if you uh, invade, we will do things we didn't do last time. We will do bad things. And Putin said, like, like what? Imagine cat ears on both of them while we're having this conversation. It just makes the whole thing less dramatic. It is a scary conversation. Um, and Biden said, well, there's a bunch of financial things that we could do. This part now, what, what and we did them to Iran. Right. And we, and did we could them, do them to you. Right. So we, we could do this to Russia. Now, take a step back for a second, because all of the journals that I've been reading, not all of them, maybe 80% of them has said something to the effect of, that includes the so-called nuclear option of blocking the Russians from using the SWIFT system. No, guys, you got to stop. Journalists, there is a real nuclear option when dealing with Russia. It is called the nuclear option. Let's not get that confused, please. <laughs> we use the nuclear option when we're talking about filibusters. We use the, No, there's a real one. The, the, the thing where the phrase came from. So we can't use this as the nuclear option when that is a real option on the table. Okay, so what was being referred to as the nuclear option was removing the Russians from the SWIFT system. And no, this is not uh, a bunch of boats in Vietnam. This is uh, a banking system that was set up in, uh, after the successes or failures of, of uh, the world wars and going into the Vietnam era when America was looting, losing some of its 
uh, shininess and splendor as being the savior of Europe and was starting to be looked at as, oh, they get into wars like everybody else does. Well, uh, some a bank in Belgium said the only way, this is in the 1970s at this point, the only way that anybody can ship money from one country to another is through the United States because they were the only place safe enough to do it after the war. The uh, First National Citibank, that's now Citibank, um, was the only way to get money across the Atlantic at that point. And the, this Belgian bank said, hey, we got to have a network. We're going to do a confederacy of banks. So they linked together a bunch of banks and they came up with some, a new way of telling each other when to expect money being transferred in. It doesn't actually transfer money. This is something weird. It's like the heads up system. It's like sending an email to say, expect this much money from our bank. It's clear to go through. So this is like a precursor to the internet. And they were literally using Telegraph up to this point. And Telegraph, in the terms of crypto cryptography, uh, terms of hacking, it's not so good. The SWIFT system basically allows us banks from one place to, no to another without using the blockchain to say, yes, this is a good transfer. We were expecting it or no, it wasn't. It's a very secure system. It uses, it, it's like closed circuit, direct from one bank on one side of the Atlantic to the another. They use underwater cables for their communication. Uh, so it's got a big budget. You, you look like you're pregnant with thought. What is it? Well, we might want to tell them what SWIFT means. It's the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. Right, which is an acronym that nobody ever uses. Everybody always just says SWIFT. But yeah, that is, that is in, even in that name, you can hear the Confederate type nature. It's a very Belgian thing. Just as a side note, that still claimed to be Belgian central, but none of the data processors are in Belgium anymore. Um, and they were using, well, they weren't actually using telegraph. They're using telex before right, that, which right. is a teletype system. It's a teletype um, system and it's very much like the stock market used, but it's using a telegraph yeah. wire. And it was very slow and it was very insecure. And you could only send one message on it at a time. And so the SWIFT system is similar for banks. It actually doesn't have anything to do with nations, although there's a code for each nation. Right. For banks, it's the equivalent of the blood vessels in your body. Wait. And no, banks, that's how money moves banks, around from bank to bank. Banks like to suck the blood out of those blood vessels. Oh, come on now. Reasons. I've heard that somewhere before. Okay. Keep going. So ahead. if the banks, in, 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 if the United States, by the way, carries the big, they, there is actually no swift office in the United States, which I think is fascinating. There is a data uh, processor, in, in, but no, <laughs> no official office. Yeah. Right. But if the United States says no SWIFT transfers, we are the financial center of the world. And that would make it nearly impossible. The United States set its foot down and said no SWIFT transfers to any banks in Russia. And here's the banks that you're not going to. We did that to Iran, by the way, even yeah. though the Europeans objected to it. And we cut about 30% off of the um, GDP of Iran just by doing that. And we still... The, the still in place, by the way, the SWIFT blocks right. for, for Iran, which means they can't sell their oil. Well, they can sell it, but it's very inefficient, very slow to get the money back. 
and they don't know if it's real money when they get it. This is part right. of one of the things about the SWIFT system is that you get the message that says, hey, $10 million is coming from my bank to yours. And it comes and, with all the right codes and it's only allowed on the system if it's vetted. So when the $10 million shows up, you know, this is real money that I can go ahead and start using rather than I have to wait to make sure that this money came from someplace that wasn't, doesn't have a counterfeit machine in the background. There, one of the reasons it's called the nuclear option is if, for example, we did it to Russia. They might use if, the nuclear option? <laughs> well, I don't know that they would start shooting nuclear missiles, but the, the point is it would wreck their economy. I mean, it would, it would send them into a death spiral economically like it did Iran, but they don't have an out-and-out religious dictatorship, so it would put them in extremely dire straits, and which kind of ties in, although we got to do commercials, ties into the other side of his question. The other side of his question is, is economic warfare, which, by the way, in several languages, just is warfare, <laughs> is is like, for instance, Japan has one word for warfare, and it includes economic warfare. Is economic warfare becoming the war of the future so that we don't have major shooting each other wars, cutting Russia off from the SWIFT system? How much damage would it do? It would destroy their economy. It would destabilize their government. It would put them in dire straits. That's the understatement. It would do as much damage. It would probably do more damage than if we directly attack them. Because there's no way we could conquer Russia. We could, that just ain't going to happen. Um, just, the, just like there's no way Russia could conquer the United States. Right. It's just the, the amount of naval and uh, manpower that it would take to actually take the country is just, it's not something considered anymore the scary part of that is we objected to japan's invasion of china in the late 1930s going into 1940 and 41 and so we waged economic warfare on japan and the japanese said this is serious business they didn't consider their attack on pearl harbor to be aggression they considered it to be defense that retaliation yeah and 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 that's something to bear in mind. The other side of that is the world was interconnected in the 1930s and 40s, but nothing like it is today. There is no, we could not sustain warfare in the world for an extended period of time against other nations if we were cut off from the other nations. Yeah. And this, this in is other part, words, of if his, we were be, part of his question is here is what would be the impact on China if they were blocked from SWIFT? And that's where I, that's where I was that's going. Where the going. bottom line yeah. to it, it would destroy their economy. It would cause an upheaval. It would probably cause a revolution. It would cause chaos. The thing they fear the most. But and what I would hope it do we're to never us? in a position where we'd have to do it. What it would do to us at the same time would not be good either. Going, right. Doing this to Russia is not a big deal to us. We don't buy a whole lot of stuff from Russia. We used to buy a lot of wood and some oil and. We don't buy the Baltic birch anymore. We don't buy, there's, there's all kinds of trade issues already in place there. So cutting them from the SWIFT system would have the same impact on us as like Iran being cut, which is to say a non-event to our country. Cutting China would really hurt us because we have a lot of U.S. manufacturing in China that we have to pay for. And the way we pay for that is through the SWIFT system. So if we cut them off, we're cutting us off too. 
So that was just and, a piece on this that this is that would be that would be horrible for everybody in the China situation. Relating to your comment about the nuclear option, this is an interesting point. If China were to decide we're going to invade Taiwan, would we fight over it? The Congress seems to think yes. We would, but we'd probably also immediately cut off financial contact with China and wreck their economy in the process. And according to one article I read by a China, China a Sinologist, it's called. There's yes. Yeah. Sinologist. I, and the, you can wave at them and they, when they respond, it's a sine wave. I'm sorry. One of the reasons math, math that jokes are the best. One of the reason, reasons that China is expanding its nuclear arsenal is because they're concerned we would cut them off financially and wreck their economy. And that the article suggested that if we were to do so, China would consider that to be the equivalent of launching nuclear weapons at China. It's, uh, there's some big high stakes in this game out here. I'm glad I'm not the person who has to make decisions about that. Um, and one last thing I wanted to throw in here that relates to this. We talk about the fact that the economy as we see it today seems to be supportive of the high market that we see, the high stock market values that we're seeing. Right. And that the economy still has a lot of room to grow, and we still have a lot of fuel left to run this engine. We aren't at the limiting point. But I can say almost without any hesitation, and I rarely talk about the future without some hesitation. If Russia wait, were wait, to invade... Wait a, minute, wait a minute. You know that if you hesitate, the future doesn't. It's still coming at the same speed. Yes, okay, okay. I recognize I just, that. Just, just, just I, I still hesitate to make prognostications. Okay. If Russia were to invade Ukraine or China were to invade Taiwan, both of which they're geared up militarily to do or gearing up to do, it appears. And we were to go into an economic war with them. I can tell you with some without any degree of fear that I would be wrong, that the stock market would react negatively to that severely negatively to that now in the long term would it recover and ultimately we would do better probably that's true too but just realize it's one of the things to bear in mind when we look at the things that are driving the stock market if you're concerned about the stock market falling that there are global events that are simmering right now that if they blow up we would get a at the least a major correction now ultimately i think it would for example if we went into it with Russia, it would cause a dramatic increase in defense spending. And we'd have a lot of money being flushed into the economy again. And ultimately, the stock market would come back like gangbusters. But just be aware that there's events simmering around the globe, any one of which, if it went off and blows up, would cause at least a major correction. Just bear that in mind as you invest. It's, it's just a truth. And on the other hand, if you go to the bank, you don't have to be worried about that. It's just the fact that you're getting 1% on your CD and inflation's running 6.8 doesn't work real well for your money. Investors and people who want to live on their investment portfolios are between sort of a rock and a hard place. And of course, that's where we make our money. Anyway. Exactly. Now I'll go back to you. All right. I think we answered that question. Man, I that have... That was a good question. Man, yeah, that was a good question. I have... 
a, a lot of stuff as far as the most boring of economic data, but people wouldn't be listening to us unless they thought that was interesting. It's really crazy. I was at a conference this week from the, it's called the Investments and Wealth Institute. And by at, I mean, I was at my desk looking at it through a screen. Quite often I would be there normally in person, but something's happened in the last 18 months or so that's caused travel to be off somehow. Anyway, there's a, one of my favorite professors at the, at the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School of Business uh, is Dr. Marston. Uh, and I've known him, I don't know, I guess coming up on 15 years now. Uh, he is, I mean, obviously if he's teaching at Wharton, he's, he's got his stuff under control. And he gave a presentation that was truly fantastic about what to expect and a little bit of Mia culping, kind of apologizing and saying, hey, we didn't get this right from The Economist. Um, because one of the things that he points at is something that I totally agree with. Back in February of this year, this is something I would recommend you go to our our past radio programs and check out. So, uh, Elder Bodley, you should pay attention to this. What were our predictions on inflation? Or did we have any? Because economists as a whole got it wrong, or at least that's the opinion of most people. That, hey, you were saying we were going to have like a, a, a maxing out at 4% inflation by this point, and we're at like 67 well, this is something, first off, he apologized for. He said, hey, well, you're right. We didn't catch it all. But if you remove food and energy, we're at a 3.7% inflation rate, and the economists were predicting a 4%. So, yeah, we didn't get it all right. We didn't say, hey, it's the oil prices are going to be all over the place or that food prices were going to be all the place, and we should have. And that's... that." To me, is awesome. It's like when when do you hear an economist apologize for being wrong? I think this may be the first time in my career, and nobody forced him to do it. He just pointed at it and said, "If one of my students had put this on a paper, I would have judged it as wrong. This is incorrect." <laughs> we said four percent. We got six point seven. Uh, if you, and you can quibble and say, "Hey, take out all these fast moving items, and we got it right," but that isn't what we predicted. We predicted, so that in mind, when we're looking ahead, we seem to understand the reason for this inflation. We talked about it in the, uh, at the beginning of the hour that, yeah, this is more that there's a shortage of goods and there's, there's enough money, but there's a shortage of goods. And that's what he's saying across the board. We haven't seen this type of inflationary spiral since... World War II, and it's not really a spiral because once manufacturing gets caught up, once transportation gets caught up, you tend to have the opposite. You tend to have a period of about two or three years of deflation if we're not careful. So there you go. I have cleared up the mud by adding a little bit of water to it, but it is still muddy. Hopefully that still was helpful. Muddy. Here you go. But it covers the ground. It does cover the Clear ground. Clear as mud, but it covers the ground. Right. There's a fairly major action pair of actions going on in the marketplace right now 
that I'm fascinated by. And there's also another thing that I was reminded of that we said 20 years ago that I want to get to. Real estate, commercial real estate in the cities. There is a lot of money going in two different directions, and it will be fascinating to see which side wins. There is a lot of money going into buying and renovating old buildings that when the lease runs out, nobody's in the building anymore. The vacancy rate, for example, in New York City, which is sort of the bench rate, benchmark, is the highest it has been since we've been keeping numbers. When leases run out, in many cases, they're not being renewed. Same thing's happening in San Francisco. I don't know exactly what's happening in Austin. I do. Uh, although I'm sure it will be interesting. Yeah, it, they're not having vacancy rates in Austin. This is, Austin is a weird uh, microcosm of the real estate market right now. Uh, Wall Street Journal did an article on it uh, last week that was talking about Austin's not following any of the other trends. Yeah. Uh, the, the market has started down a little bit, but it's not seeing the same vacancy rates that you're seeing in New York or in San Francisco. So there's a tremendous amount of money right now going into shorting Companies, for instance, the New York, the, the, the Empire State Building is a company. And the company that owns the New York, the, in New York, the Empire State Building has been a consistent producer of about a 4% annual dividend to people that own it. It's heavily shorted right now. Why is it shorted right now? Which means somebody's betting the price will go down. Because the people who are putting a lot of money into that are betting that the work from home move that happened during the pandemic is not going to go away. And by the way, I see evidence of that in a lot of places. Yeah. Google has just, again, delayed coming back to the office. They've said, well, maybe it won't ever happen now. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of this is companies that are going in and buying up these buildings at a discount, renovating them and not having any prospective customers right now, but anticipating that this work from home thing will blow over and people will want to go back to the office. And it is, there's a tremendous amount of money going into those two sides of the bet. And then if you, it, it's one of those things, oil is by the way, working out the same way. Um, there are people who saying the, the era of expensive oil is coming to an end because we're going electric. And there's certainly some strong evidence of that. For instance, I think general motors just opened up a several areas, opening up a several billion dollar plant in North Carolina yeah. to build electric vehicles. So there's a lot of evidence in that direction. And then there's also the evidence on the other side that says, no, 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 that's not going away immediately. We still have We're not enough keep coal. To, right. right. There, there's still power plants that need coal right now. There's natural gas plants. There's oil plants. They're not going to just disappear tomorrow. We're still going to need that stuff. So that's the two sides. And then, so we've got a couple of major economic bet systems going on in the United States right now. So if you get into either any, either into energy or into real estate, it's probably a good idea to look at which side of that bet you're effectively on and determine whether you want to be in that side of the bet. Now, there's some areas I think are pretty comfortable. For instance, multifamily dwellings, that's pretty solid. People aren't going to go live in the street. They're not going to home from not home. Now, they may work from home, but they're not going to go uh, not home to not home. They're not going to live in tents, I don't think, although that's pretty intense. So there's a, these are major moves that are going on in the economy. And if I could go on one more thing here. Please do. I had somebody in the office recently who's been with us for a long time. We were doing a review. And the person said that 20 plus years ago, 
when we were talking to them as they were coming on board, we anticipated that at some point, about 20, 25 years in the future, there would be a huge decentralization as people left the center, inner cities, moved out into the country where the prices on real estate were lower and the air was cleaner and they could have a yard and they would work from home remotely. I had forgotten that we were saying that 20 years ago. It was a pipe dream 20 years ago. Well, 20 I mean, years ago, the internet was a fig tree of your amalgamation. It really didn't exist yet as we know it today. And we certainly didn't have Elon Musk putting up a fleet of satellites so that sometime, what is it, in 2023, you'll be able to get good, solid, high-speed internet from can, almost anywhere. You can get it now. You're on well, the beta. You're, I know people on the program. You you had to sign up. It's a beta thing, but yeah, there's people that get internet, and they're not in a place that they would normally be able to get broadband internet. Well, I'm saying available to the general public. Right. I think it's in 2023. Sometime he anticipates you could still sign it up for it right public. now. They have openings in their beta right now. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Well, is that there's a limit? You can't. It's not everybody, but they haven't filled it up. So the the point I want to make is. We were right. I just got a cramp in my arm from slapping myself on the back. Oh, nice. But, my shoulder's still sore from the wrenching it out of socket. I keep patting myself back there. I need to stop. I'm going to say that that trend is going to continue. I'm going to, I'm not, the, the future Absolutely. is always uncertain. I could Absolutely. be completely wrong. I think there's exceptions to some degree to that. For example, when, when, a, when living inside a city like Austin is very attractive socially, and emotionally and everything else. I think we'll see that. But for the majority of cities, Chicago, uh, New York, Los Angeles, even San Francisco, living in the congested inner city is not the most pleasant thing in the world. And yep. even in San Francisco, which I visited several times and found to be quite pleasant, I understand there's something going on right now called smash and grab. Have you heard about that? Yeah, it's it's like the it's a different name for something that's been around since Twitter existed. The flash mob shows up and steals a bunch of stuff. Only in this case, they're being a little bit more circumspect than just posting it openly on Twitter. They're using WhatsApp and other secured apps to do basically flash mobs where they show up and they strip out all the Christmas gifts from a store before anybody can stop them. And they go in masked for some reason. Why would they do that? That's one of the interesting things I mentioned when I visited a bank lobby recently. You know, in the past, had I walked in here wearing a mask, you would have hit the alarm button and called the police. Now, if I walk in here without a mask, you hit the alarm button and call the police. And they thought that was funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's one of the things that we're running into is that it's, it's harder to identify people when they're wearing masks. Really? I, I know. It's strange to think that that could be an issue, but it is causing some... Um, some issues on the crime front. And I, in this particular bank I walked into wearing a dark mask, aviator sunglasses, and a baseball hat. So you really couldn't see anything of my face. And they didn't alert or alarm. You should have just the handed them a note as you stepped up. I would like to make a withdrawal. And they were. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is not advice for the general public. Please do not right. go into your bank and hand them notes while wearing masks. It is generally. With dark glasses. Yes, generally not considered a safe pastime as a hobby. 
Yeah, you need to be kind of cautious about that. The, <laughs> but the future has arrived versus 20 years ago. Right. And the future will arrive 20 years in the future, too. And that's one of the things that, for example, if I could throw another thing in here, I know I'm talking a lot. Please go ahead. There is more evidence accumulating that the largest single factor in the logistics snarl-ups that are causing prices to be so high and things to be so awkward is a shortage of long-haul truck drivers. And the shortage of long-haul truck drivers cannot be as easily explained as some of the things I read earlier suggest. Apparently, for example, in California, where they were able to get the data a couple of months ago, there are about twice as many people who hold the Class C large truck interstate licenses as there are driving trucks. Why? If you think about what these guys get paid or gals get paid and the hours they have to work and they don't get paid when they're not driving. If you see them parked in the, in the rest areas and on the side of the road and so on, because there's a limit to how long they can drive before they take a nap, they don't get paid for that. And they don't get paid when they're waiting in line to pick up a load. They get paid mostly by the mile. And they have to work really long hours. And if you've ever driven a really long way pulling a big trailer, and I have, I consider it to be exceptionally hard work and the people are away from their families. This type of situation has arisen in the past. And we've talked about this before, but I'm going to emphasize again. I think five years from now, you will see a lot of self-driving trucks on the road. Oh, yeah. And I think that's just, when we get into a shortage like this, remember I, what I said earlier and Jake said earlier, this inflationary surge that we're seeing right now, transitory is become kind of a bad word, but it's temporary. And what happens is there's the opportunity to make a lot of money through innovation and invention at this point. And when that occurs in a society, as it did most recently in the United States, probably in the 1920s, to a lesser degree in the 1990s, we get a tremendous surge in the economy. We get a tremendous surge in the stock market. And here's the long-term. The, take advantage. Ride the surge. Enjoy it. We're getting it right now. But these things come to an end. And that's the thing we have to watch out for. We have to watch out to the fact. First off, we've got a problem right now. Innovation in the United States, I think, is going to, to hit that problem and take it by the horns and benefit from it and put us ahead in the world one more time. I think the Chinese are going in the opposite direction, for example, by centralizing and, and, and restricting and controlling. And I think they are self-defeating at this point. But remember, this will cause a major economic boom. It's already started. Major economic booms throughout history have been followed by what? Busts. Major economic busts. You have, I mean, and busts are followed typically by booms. Booms, right. So and just Just because aware. you're in a boom, don't think the busts have stopped. And just because you're in a bus, don't think the booms have stopped. That's true. If you're riding along in a bus and you hear booms, you know you've got both a bus and a boom. Boom and a bus. Yes. Or a, bus, <laughs> a busted boom. Yes. Anyway, that's All right. what I want to talk about. Uh, you alluded to something there, right there at the end about China. And there, this was a, a talk, again, Dr. Marston, who I've known a long time, 
he has taught in China at universities as a as a faculty member at Wharton. He's gone to China to teach at Beijing's university and um, has been doing that for decades. And a year and a half ago, he was asked not to come back. The pandemic was there. They obviously said, don't come back. But then his post was removed. And the same is happening kind of across the board with American uh, professors and American skilled workers that were making themselves available to the Chinese general economy. Not going there to make something to ship back to another country, but actually going to educate or to... Those are getting shut off. A lot of the people from other countries than China have been asked to leave. And by asked to leave, it means something yeah, different yeah. in China than here. <laughs> um, and they're cracking down on tech firms as well as some of the other private firms that are in monetary transactions. They're tra- cracking down hard. We're seeing from the United States government a series of new companies being blacklisted for trades because they're building things for the Chinese military and they're stealing technology from American companies or European companies to do it with. And there's clear evidence of doing that. So, I mean, when we're, we're looking around, you know, we talked about Jack Ma and, and Alibaba for a while when it was big news, but it's been a while since it was big news back it it had the the largest capitalization of any chinese company uh back uh in the middle part of 2020 uh it was valued up at 424 billion dollars it's a big that's like half the size of the biggest american companies and uh it had ant as the subsidiary it has since dropped well below it's like at 120 billion dollars as market cap And that's mostly because American money has pulled out of it and mostly because the innovations that were planned for that company disappeared. Uh, Tencent is another one that, that, you know, its it's price jumped way up. It was like uh, getting up close to $800 a share at at the end uh, of 2020, beginning of 2021. And it's way down... It's still down with air quotes around 500, which is still up for the multi-year period. But WeChat is part of Tencent and WeChat has no new users as of July going forward. Why? Because the uh, Chinese Communist Party discovered that they were that people were using it to communicate with. yeah i know that's really strange but they like to have control of communications so they have been quickly putting their government threads all through wechat so that they can read it too and then they will allow wechat to offer its services to more people something fascinating about that is that wechat is one of the standards across most of the rest of the world to replace text messaging. WhatsApp and WeChat, those are the two competing. And the Chinese government is basically saying, we're going to read every single one of these encrypted WeChat publications. This is just little, little, lots and lots and lots of little things that are happening everywhere in China. 
The scale of the crackdown, if we look at the NASDAQ, the Golden Dragon Index, so is that for a sexy name for... I like that. Um, it, it reached a peak in 84 point, of 84.92 in February of 2021, right before the really big crackdown started. It's about half of that now. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, all that is coming to say... Be careful around China. Didi, which was the Uber of China, um, was listed on a U.S. stock as a U.S. stock IPO without permission from China. It has now been delisted. And uh, it's not good what's happened over there. Uh, The mobile app for Didi was taken down by the Chinese government. So how do you order an Uber without the Uber app? How do you order a DD without a DD app? Which means it is non-functional as a company right now. This is part of the great, I told you there's bets going on in real estate and there's bets going on in oil. There's a huge bet going on between two forms of government. Right. Democracy, sloppy, chaotic, chaotic, all over again, polarized, really ugly sometimes democracy that we have in the United States compared with the very orderly, very dictatorial system of government they have in China. And once again, the experiment is going on. We think we've played this before. We think we're going to win, but it is an experiment to see which form of government produces the better long-term results. And I, I'm placing all my bets on United States democracy. Yeah. And that's where I'm placing my bets. So as a heads up, China's, having the slowest growth rate that it's had in 40 years well we're having some of the fastest growth rate that we've had in 40 years so we can see the preliminaries on the experiment are looking good for us and not so good for them if you'd like to talk to us off the air email us jeff or jake at tpwc.com go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com there's podcasts there's newsletters you can sign up for you can call us directly locally on a landline or otherwise at 254-947-1111. Or toll free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to the webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. You can email us through there, contact us through there, podcasts, newsletters, all that good stuff. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.